Good Wednesday morning. Our top story, North Korea firing off a massive barrage of missiles overnight. And coming closer to South Korea than ever before. It is November 2nd. This is today. Breaking news, North Korea unloads overnight, launching nearly two dozen missiles, one aimed directly towards South Korea. Residents rush to underground shelters, and Kim Jong-un issues a stark nuclear threat to the U.S., the very latest on the alarming escalation straight ahead. Going up, the Federal Reserve meeting today expected to raise interest rates for a sixth time, an all-out effort to beat back inflation that could trigger a recession. We're live in Washington with the impact on your bottom line. Suicide mission. New revelations in the attack on Paul Pelosi. What court documents say the suspect told police about his plans. And the new report this morning, the attack was captured on Capitol Police security cameras in Washington. November heat. Record highs expected from coast to coast, and it could last through the weekend. Al's got the full forecast. Those stories, plus game over for TikTok. Inside the new push to ban the world's most popular app here in the U.S., the top officials sounding the alarm over your privacy and national security. Today, Wednesday, November 2nd, 2022. From NBC News, this is Today with Savannah Guthrie and Oda Cutby, live from Studio 1A in Rockefeller Plaza. Hi, everybody. Good morning. Welcome to today, Wednesday morning. Another possible interest rate hike today. It is expected. It's an effort to fight inflation. But how far will it go? We will find out. That's a great question. And that's the question on everyone's mind. When will we start seeing results? We'll break it down for you in just a bit. But we're going to get right to that breaking news overnight. North Korea firing more than 20 missiles, the most in a single day ever. One landed close enough to set off an air raid alert inside South Korea. This is seen as expected, as a majorly aggressive move in an already tense region. NBC's Janice Mackey Frere with the latest for us overnight. Janice, good morning. Savannah, good morning. The missiles fired by North Korea, the retaliation by South Korea, tension ramping higher by the hour, and the day's not over yet. This morning, a historic escalation along the Korean peninsula. North Korea firing at least 23 missiles overnight in quick succession, one aimed directly toward South Korea, landing close to South Korea's territorial waters for the first time since the country split. That triggered air raid sirens on an island. People had to take cover. The missiles going east and west, landing in waters around South Korea and Japan. Then came the artillery. North Korea firing more than 100 rounds into a buffer zone near the east coast. Retaliating against the north, South Korea fired three air-to-surface missiles and sent up fighter jets, saying its missiles also landed near the sea border. With tension edging ever higher, the U.S. Secretary of State and the South Korean government discussing possible responses. It's been a record year for North Korea weapons testing, 28 so far, Kim Jong-un adamant to prove his program is thriving. The timing is no coincidence. This week, the U.S. and South Korea holding annual military drills meant to simulate what to do against threats from the North. North Korea had threatened the two countries would, quote, pay the most horrible price in history in protest of the drills. It's also a sensitive time, with South Korea mourning the people killed in a crowd crush last weekend. The relentless testing seen as a prelude to what is likely next, 
a seventh nuclear test by Kim Jong-un that could come any day. Janice, to call this provocative is an understatement. It seems like we're entering a new phase here. Well, the missiles kept coming one after another. It was relentless and getting closer to South Korea than ever before. And then the retaliation by South Korea with U.S. forces doing joint military drills in the region. Right now, uh, thousands of personnel, 240 aircraft, all preparing how to react to this very sort of threat. Now, the White House this morning says that it's aware, doesn't believe the situation poses any direct threat to the U.S., but the concern now now, of course, is that probable nuclear test by Kim Jong-un. U.S. and South Korean intelligence say he has made all the preparations. Savannah? Dangerous times there, Janice. Thank you very much. Let's bring it back home, turning now to the economy and the Federal Reserve meeting this morning in Washington. It is widely expected we'll see yet another rate hike as the board continues to try to tamp down decades-high inflation. Joining us with a closer look at what is happening, what it means for you, NBC's Tom Costello. Hey, Tom, morning. Yeah, good morning, Hoda. Uh, this will be a stunning sixth rate hike so far this year, and the betting right now is on another three-quarters of a point rate hike. Now, the hope, according to many economists, is that the Fed will start to slow the pace of the rate hikes in December, but of course, that all depends on the data that comes in. It doesn't matter if it's a big rate hike or a small rate hike, it affects almost all of us in some way. Whether it's a charge on your credit card or a big-ticket purchase, borrowing money in America is likely to get even more expensive, with the Federal Reserve just hours away now from what would be its sixth interest rate hike this year. But the results of those aggressive actions could still be months away. Fed interest rate hikes can take nine months to really fully cycle through the economy. It's going to be into 2023 before the full effect of all these rate hikes starts to take effect on the economy. The Fed widely expected to increase rates another three quarters of a point as it tries to tame inflation, still running above 8%, but to do it without pushing the economy into recession. In the final sprint to the midterm elections, President Biden pointing out that in the EU and UK, inflation is running hotter, the economy much harsher. Inflation is a worldwide problem right now. We've done a lot to try to take it under control. Even as the price at the pump has come down nationally, auto loans are higher. And according to experts, they're harder to come by. There's also a higher rejection rate for loans right now. And they're not taking as many long-term loans. And there are higher down payments. Americans are also facing skyrocketing rates on credit cards and mortgages, both at their highest level in decades. Weeks turned into months, and then we kept dropping our price and kept dropping it and kept dropping it. In Anchorage, Tangier Walker and her family are facing a double-edged sword. They recently bought a new home, but have been unable to sell their old house, even after lowering the asking price five times since July. Now, as an Alaskan winter approaches, they plan to rent it out. Great location, great schools. Um, it's just some people are just really scared. You know, there's a lot of houses sitting on the market right now. Tom, uh, all the warning signs are there for a potential downturn early next year. So what do you advise people do now to get ready for it? 
So listen, we talked to a lot of personal finance pros and they have very similar advice. Pay down your credit card debt now if you can, because of course, credit cards are the most susceptible or vulnerable or impacted by higher rates. If you have good credit, consider moving a high credit card debt over to a low interest credit card. Continue contributing to your 401k, your retirement accounts, and your college savings accounts. One big problem they've got is that the labor market is still very tight. There are almost two jobs out there for every worker. So that is driving up wages, that drives up inflation. Good news at times can also be bad news. Yeah. It's, a, it's feeding into this inflationary cycle, guys. Yeah, a mixed bag there. All right, Tom Costello for us there in D.C. Hey, Tom, thank you. We turn now to new developments in that brutal assault on House Speaker Nancy Pelosi's husband. The suspect is now being held without bail. We're learning more about his motives. And the president is weighing in, calling on Republicans to condemn the attack and the unfounded conspiracy theories that surround the case. NBC national correspondent Miguel Almaguer in San Francisco with the latest on all of it. Miguel, good morning. Savannah, good morning. As he remains in custody here at the county jail, David DePap faces several felony counts, including attempted murder. His bail was denied by a judge yesterday in court, and it comes as we get new details about the attack from court documents. This morning, investigators revealing David DePap told police at the crime scene this was a suicide mission when he broke into Nancy and Paul Pelosi's home. The new revelations coming as DePap, wearing a jailhouse jumpsuit, his arm in a sling, entered a plea of not guilty, the DA filing a motion for him to be held without bail. Absolutely, I consider him to be dangerous. The new court documents say DePap told police nothing would stop him, despite knowing he was being recorded by ring cameras and Pelosi's 911 call. DePap remained undeterred. The Washington Post, citing three sources familiar with how Capitol Police learned of the break-in, now reporting the department was alerted to the attack when an officer saw flashing red lights on cameras they had installed later rewinding the live feed to see the intruder break into the home, the suspect's public defender. We're going to be looking into Mr. DePap, his mental state. As investigators sort through DePap's digital footprint and a journal recovered at the crime scene, the suspect's neighbors say he seemed off. He seemed, he seemed exceptionally socially isolated. Prosecutors also say he told officers he had several other targets, including a local professor, several prominent state and federal politicians, and relatives of those politicians. The attack has been the subject of unfounded right-wing conspiracy theories. Former President Trump adding to the misinformation on a podcast. The window was broken in, and it was strange that the cops were the, you know standing there practically from from the moment it all took place. Law enforcement officials say there is no truth to those theories. A vicious home invasion assault, prosecutors say carried out for political reasons. After his court appearance, DePap's public defender says the suspect's arm was dislocated after he was tackled by police on Friday. He is expected to have another court hearing later on this week. Savannah. All right. Miguel Almaguer, thank you. Appreciate uh, it. 7-12, bringing in Craig. Midterms fast approaching. Right around the corner. Mm -hmm. Savannah, Hoda, good morning. Good morning to you as well. Election day now. 
less than a week away. And in these closing days of the campaign, candidates in both parties are bringing in the heavy hitters to try and make a final push to voters. NBC's chief White House correspondent, Kristen Welker, joins us with the very latest on this. Hey, Kristen, good morning. Hey, Craig, good morning to you. Democrats and Republicans are sharpening their final pitch to voters for Republicans really zeroing in on the economy. And for Democrats, they're defending their record on the economy while also discussing everything from abortion to threats to democracy. And while Republicans do seem to have much of the momentum right now, control of Congress is still very much in play. In the final sprint to the midterm elections, both parties are calling in their heavyweights to deliver closing arguments in key battleground states. I'm here to ask you to vote. Overnight, former President Obama rallying Democrats in Nevada, where polls show incumbent Senator Catherine Cortez Masto in a tight race with Republican Adam Laxalt. Mr. Obama taking on Republicans. That's their agenda. They're not interested in actually solving problems. They're interested in making you angry and finding somebody to blame. Mr. Obama is officially set to reunite with his longtime political partner, President Biden, on Saturday in critical Pennsylvania, where Democrat John Fetterman is running neck and neck with Republican Mehmet Oz in that closely watched Senate race. But it's a different story in Florida, where Democratic Senate nominee Val Demings and the nominee for governor Charlie Crist are both trailing their GOP rivals, Senator Marco Rubio and Governor Ron DeSantis. With his own job approval ratings underwater, President Biden campaigning for Demings and Christ, making part of his closing argument about threats to democracy, pointing to nearly 300 GOP candidates on the ballot who have denied or questioned the results of the 2020 election. Democracy is on the ballot this year. In Georgia, Republicans getting a boost from former Vice President Mike Pence, lending his support to Governor Brian Kemp, now leading his Democratic opponent, Stacey Abrams, in a new poll. We've got a re-elect Brian Kemp. But the Georgia Senate race is still fiercely competitive, despite numerous revelations rocking the contest in the last month, with Republican Herschel Walker and Democratic Senator Raphael Warnock deadlocked, a sign that control of Congress is still very much up for grabs and could come down to all-important independent and undecided voters with less than a week to go until the midterms. Now, in these closing days of the campaign, some notable alliances are starting to form. Congresswoman Liz Cheney, the Republican vice chair of the January 6th committee who lost her bid for re-election, is voicing her support for Ohio Democratic Senate candidate Tim Ryan. Expect to see other big names on the trail in these closing days, including former President Trump, who heads to Iowa tomorrow and Pennsylvania over the weekend. Craig. Midterm six days away. Kristen Walker, our chief White House correspondent. Kristen, thank you. Hey, let's get right to our first check of the weather. Good morning. Welcome back. Oh, oh, thanks, great guys. Job out there. Awesome. Oh, thank you. But looking forward to some cheesesteaks, though. That's, yeah. What, yeah. that's what we all need. A little cheesesteak action. Go Phillies. All right. Temperatures really warm for the two western, I should say, eastern two-thirds of the country. Big area of high pressure. That is pumping up warm air. Look at these temperatures. Anywhere from 15 to 30 degrees above average from the plains all the 
the way down into the Gulf. For example, today we're looking at Minneapolis, 76 degrees. You could break your record of 72, Rhinelander, Wisconsin, Mitchell, South Dakota, Lincoln, Nebraska, Moline, Iowa, all coming up with possible records today. Tomorrow, that warmth spreads to east. Oh, Rochester, 66 degrees, Pittsburgh, 68, Green Bay, Wisconsin, 71, Kansas City, 75 degrees. And we're looking for that warmth to spread right on into the northeast. Uh, unfortunately, Sunday for the big marathon, New York City Marathon, it's going to be 73. That is rough for the runners. Cincinnati into the mid-70s, mid-60s in St. Louis. And the tropics are still active. We've got Tropical Storm Martin that's going to be heading up toward Greenland. We've also got Tropical Storm Lisa down in the Caribbean Sea, and that is going to cut across Belize and make its way into the Gulf, and we're going to have to be watching that because it's going to be meandering on Sunday morning somewhere out there. We're going to continue to watch that as well. And hey, Lolene, I know you enjoyed that tr- short trip into Illinois, but I know you're in Iowa. <laughs> hey, Moline's in Illinois. <laughs> Moline in Illinois. I don't know where I am. You know, I used to live in Moline. Did you really? Yes, I did. Oh, my god! Great, great, great city. Actually, when you said Illinois. Moline, Hoda perked up. Yeah, she goes, I was Moline. Like, hey, Moline talk- is in Illinois. Yes, yes it is. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Coming up, it is the world's most popular app, but Stephanie Gosk is here to tell us about a new call for it to be banned here in the U.S. Hi, Steph. Hey, Savannah. You know, TikTok's only been around for about five years. It's incredible how popular it's become. Now, the FCC commissioner is, says a ban is the only way to protect your personal information. Coming up, all details on why he's called for that ban and what TikTok has to say about it. Plus, we're going to dive into the new rules for retirement. With soaring prices, record inflation, a lot of Americans are rethinking their golden years. Well, don't worry, Vicki Wynn will have everything you need to know to help you sort it out. But first, this is Today on NBC. Now, 7.30, it's Wednesday. Just soak it in. Mm-hmm. Our pretty shot from Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. That's a beautiful shot of the Grand uh-huh. Strand, by the way. Let's get to your headlines. 7.30, the country's three largest pharmacy chains, CVS, Walgreens, and Walmart, have agreed to pay more than $12 billion to resolve thousands of lawsuits, accusing them of mishandling opioid painkillers. Beginning in 2017, state and local governments accused those pharmacies of ignoring red flags that prescriptions were being diverted into illegal trafficking. They accused the drug makers of downplaying the risk of their opioid pain medicines. Well, CVS, Walmart and Walgreens declined to comment on that settlement. Houston police are searching for a suspect this morning in the shooting death of rapper Takeoff. The 28-year-old was a member of the chart-topping group Migos. Takeoff was shot and killed early Tuesday morning after a private party at a bowling alley. About 40 people were there at the time. At least two gunmen opened fire after some sort of disagreement. Two other people were also shot. They were hospitalized with non-life-threatening injuries. This morning, police are asking any witnesses to share any possible leads. Now to an incredible rescue in Florida. A woman was left clinging to the roof of her car after driving right into an alligator-infested canal. Thankfully for her, though, a real estate broker named Christo Piquette was taking a paramotoring trip just happened to be in that area. He spotted the woman from the air and shortly after he landed in a nearby field. The commotion drew the attention of a neighbor. The neighbor came to help. He threw a rope, pulled her to safety. The woman was taken to the hospital for treatment. She is expected to be okay. Wow. Oh my. 
There are and no some, accidents in no, life. No, and man. some good people yes, out there who yes. cared. Wow. wow. Well, here's a story that'll interest anybody who uses the TikTok app. Wildly popular, but amid privacy concerns and an ongoing review of the company behind the app and its connections to China, there's a new and very high profile call for the United States to now ban TikTok. All right. What's this all about? NBC's Stephanie Gosk has details. Hey, Steph, good morning. Hey, good morning, Hoda. There are roughly 100 million TikToker, TikTok users in the U.S. It's popular, popularity exploding, but concern is growing that this social media giant may be putting your private data at risk. The FCC commissioner has called it a wolf in sheep's clothing, and now he's going further, suggesting what's needed is a ban. Behind TikTok dances and the viral pranks... FCC Commissioner Brendan Carr says a national security danger is lurking, telling Axios, I don't believe there is a path forward for anything other than a ban. TikTok is owned by Chinese company ByteDance. Carr telling the website there is no way to protect private data enough that you could have sufficient confidence that it's not finding its way back into the hands of the Chinese Communist Party. And how many times are y'all going to try to ban TikTok in the U.S.? While the suggested ban and privacy concerns have users split. I've created so much content and put so much of my life on here. I don't think any part of my life is private. Earlier this year, Congress pushed company leaders to step up and block TikTok's Chinese connections. Can you make the commitment, though, that I just asked you to make, that you will commit to cutting off all data and metadata flows to China? What I can commit to is that our final agreement with the U.S. government will satisfy all national security concerns, yes. The FCC has no jurisdiction over TikTok. The company is currently negotiating an agreement with the Committee on Foreign Investment, a council of multiple federal agencies that review some international business deals, considering, among other things, whether those millions of videos and app downloads may compromise national security. The question is hanging over TikTok of whether it's going to be allowed to survive in the U.S. at all or in its current form or under its current ownership. Carr has in the past expressed concern that the Chinese government could use TikTok to gain access to U.S. users' passwords, phone numbers and even locations. In a statement, TikTok responded to a call for a ban, saying the commissioner has no role in the confidential discussions with the U.S. government related to TikTok, adding that they are working on an agreement with the U.S. government that will satisfy all reasonable national security concerns. In further comments to NBC, the company said it is working to secure U.S. data through this new agreement, pointing out that it will mean its company will have to have tighter security controls than the competition. So you wonder what's going to happen. I mean, TikTok is so wildly popular. So do you yep. think it's something that the Democrats or Republicans would say, let's let's ban that? Well, it's actually really interesting because the Trump administration tried to ban it and there was real pushback against it. There's been kind of a growing bipartisan chorus of concern about data security, if not calls for a ban. You do have 30 percent of the major Senate candidates using TikTok sure. for the for the midterms. Oh. And the DNC invited a whole bunch of TikTok influencers yeah. paying for their trip to D.C. and they got selfies with mm-hmm. President Biden and uh, yeah. former President Obama. So mm-hmm. pretty know, scary when you really think about it, though. Yeah. Yeah. You know. Here's the thing. Even if they were to ban TikTok, wouldn't there just be another similar app that comes along and fills that void? Yeah, but not oh, owned yes, by the Chinese. Think, yeah. 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 think yeah. about this, too. Hopefully. Logistically banning yeah. an app in this country is yeah. a very difficult thing yeah. to do. Would they really and who yeah. would enforce it? Right. 
So there are a lot of questions there. All right, Steph, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Coming up, the legendary Linda Ronstadt. Maria Shriver gets a peek inside her world and how she's giving back to honor the heritage that has shaped her life and career. First, though, Vicki Wynn is here to walk us through the new checklist when it comes to planning your retirement. Hey, Vic. Hey, sun, sand, and soaring home prices. Florida, not quite as attractive as it once was for retirees. I'll tell you why. Plus, the states where people are heading instead and what we can all do right now to boost our retirement savings. That's next on Today. Welcome back. This morning on today's Consumer Confidential, we are focusing on your retirement. With sky-high prices and inflation, lots of folks are having to rethink their plans for the future, and some popular destinations are now losing some of the appeal. Yeah, NBC's senior consumer investigative correspondent Vicki Wynn is here with everything you need to know when planning your retirement and choosing where to spend that retirement. Hey, Vic. Good morning, everyone. The sun may soon set on that dream of retiring in Florida as the state's cost of living climbs higher than one of its iconic palm trees. But with some planning, you can definitely enjoy those golden years. This morning, I have your new retirement checklist. With its endless summers and low cost of living, the Sunshine State became a retirement hotspot where generations of Americans have spent their golden years, a move so popular it even made its way into pop culture. But now, as the price of nearly everything soars, it could mean trouble in paradise for some retirees, especially when it comes to housing. People are looking to retire, maybe rethinking their plan. Median home values in Florida now up nearly 28% from last year. The average rent in Miami, more than $2,900. In Orlando, around $2,100. I see this as a permanent change. Ken Johnson, a real estate economist and associate dean at Florida Atlantic University, found in a recent study, Florida contains five of the ten most overvalued home markets. He attributes the sticker shock to the state's influx of new residents during the pandemic, thanks in part to remote work. Since 2020, Florida's population has grown by more than 700,000 people, creating a shortage of inventory and prompting those on a fixed income to consider moving elsewhere. South Carolina, maybe parts of North Carolina, Georgia, uh, parts of the Alabama, and even Mississippi and Texas coast. When choosing a retirement destination, experts say don't just pack up the car and head south. Some factors to think about, climate and the risk for natural disasters, state taxes, access to medical services, and before making a final decision, spend some time in the area. How have you seen Florida change over the past few decades? So 46 years living here, cost of living has gotten really out of hand. 68-year-old Shelly Roth says she may eventually move to Georgia, but for now, she'll keep working and playing hard, running a small business in the toy industry from her home in Boca Raton. While she never wants to fully retire, Roth says price increases on necessities like food, home insurance, and health care have delayed her plans to work less. How has inflation and the rising cost of living affected your retirement plans? It's probably had me work a little bit harder. A recent survey revealing more Americans now believe they'll work past age 65, with 73% saying they don't feel like they've saved enough for retirement. Although the magic number differs for everyone, some experts advise saving 80 to 90% of your annual pre-retirement income or saving 12 times your pre-retirement salary. Craig Kirstner, a financial planner who advises Roth, says it's never too late to start planning for your future. For folks who are not able to hire a financial planner, 
What advice do you give them? Start saving something, whether it's ideally 10% of your paycheck, whatever you can afford. Other tips, cut unnecessary expenses like a home phone, cable, or a second vehicle. If you have IRAs or 401ks, look into partial Roth conversions so you pay taxes now rather than later. And as you approach retirement, transition from high to low-risk investments. Advice helping Roth to eventually spend less time on the clock and more time on the pickleball court, relishing her golden years. Good. You perked up when they were mm-hmm. talking about I know. I was just said she had a nice swing. Uh, here's, the, another 30, <laughs> here's the thing, though, Vic. I mean, there's some great tips there, but the, that magic number that we always talk about when it comes to saving for right. retirement, it varies a lot. Is yes. there a general range that people should at least consider? So according to Northwestern Mutual, they did a whole survey of all of their clients, and people think that magic number for them is $1.25 million. Oh. That's a 20% increase from what people were feeling last year because of inflation. And so, you you know, there's not a one-size-fits-all. It's certainly going to depend on where you live, right. what the cost of health care will be. But you need to factor those things in when considering where you will eventually land. Uh, and we talk about that, too. Like, even transportation, entertainment, travel, yeah. those are things you may not think about, but you're going to want to do that in your retirement. So budget that. Especially with a lot of people working paycheck to paycheck. Sure. Even that number 1.5 sounds insane. 1.25. But start today, 1. start chipping yeah. away at it. Yeah. yeah. All right. What do you, you got something else for tomorrow? What you got? Yeah. So, you know, a lot of people are hanging on to their cars and even in some cases wondering, should I sell my home now and go into something new? So we're going to crunch some numbers mm. and tell you, should you stay or should you go? Should they mm. hang on to it or should you sell it and go for something new? Oh, that's okay. good. All right, Vicky. Mm-hmm. Also, Thank the name you. of a Clash song, remember? Oh, should yeah. I stay or should, should I, I go? go? I know. Like, should yeah, like 10 people got that right. Thank you, Vic. Thank you. I got it. You got it? Okay. What about you, Al? You, you love the Clash, don't you? Oh, uh, I'm a big Clash fan. <laughs> <laughs> you know it. Uh, I do. I, a little bit. But, hey, I want to put, put a little smile on your face right now. In fact, here comes the sun, and he's got a smile on his face. Take a look at that. This was the sun last weekend from the NASA Solar Observatory. And these areas are basically, you know, the sun is just a boiling big ball of gas. Well, these are coronal holes. This is where fast-moving solar winds actually push out into space. And it just so happened they happened this, this little pumpkin smile out there. Those, those, those impacts, though, the impacts of that with all that stuff coming out, we could have periods of geomagnetic storms, which can cause a little disruption on Earth. But right now, no big problems. Heavy snow Snow, strong winds out west where we're looking at snow already starting to get itself together through the Rockies and the inner mountain regions. That system is going to push to the east by Thursday night. Severe weather from Nebraska all the way down into Texas. And then as we move into Friday, we're looking at 22 million people at risk for severe weather from Joplin, Missouri, all the way down to Corpus Christi with, t- Cor- Corpus Christi with tornadoes, wind gusts, and damaging winds. And that is your latest weather, guys. All right, Al. Thank, thank you. you. Straight ahead, the highlights from an historic victory for the U.S. women's gymnastics team overnight. And the new stars of the sport who helped carry the team, USA to Gold. We'll come back in just a little bit. There it is. You know it, right? Don't ask a question you don't want answered. (laughs) 
That was now leading Team USA to a victory at the World Gymnastics Champions Championships last night. And by the way, Carson, it yeah. earned them a new record. It certainly did. The women's team completely dominated that competition with a mix of newcomers and vets. They nabbed their sixth consecutive goal. Wow. That's a record. <laughs> and secured a spot, of course, for the Olympics in 2024, which will be in Paris. Let's go. Hmm. So good to see uh, Jordan Childs nailing it. Do you remember when Simone at, at the last minute kind of had the <clears throat> bow out yes. and everybody yeah. just jumped in yeah. and really rose to the occasion? Anyway, that's so cool. And by the way, Simone uh, did a little congratulations on Instagram for the folks, too. Um, she's proud of them. She's Ooh. you know she's no do, not doing gymnastics anymore, but enjoying her life. And Congrats, girls! Like, Way oh, to go! Right. Let's that. go! Or let's go to Paris, guys. I let's know. go! Let's go! Ready. It's go. Coming up on Popstar before Paris, we've got Harry Styles <laughs> channeling his inner John Travolta. You're gonna want oh, to see wow. his nice tribute to the movie Grease. Plus, a can inspiring conversation with NFL legend Terry Bradshaw after this.